1: Hi, this is Arjun, and today it's tough to believe we are at our 100th episode. I just feel I'm the luckiest person on this planet to have 99 incredible conversations with 99 unique individuals from different walks of life. Each are winners, their paths are different, and that Makes these conversations really unique. One of them taught me this absolutely fascinating concept, which is if you focus on being right, then you can't learn. That came from my incredible, brilliant daughter, I'm a little biased, Raka Sen. And I just thought it would be really cool to celebrate the 100th episode with handing over the controls of the podcast for this episode only to Raka. Raka Sen, my baby, truly an honor and a pleasure for you to be with me on the hundredth episode, Toast of Chai. Cheers, Sen. Cheers. Is it mine now? It's all yours.
0: Okay. Um, Thank you for relinquishing control. It is my pleasure to be here today. Um, so are you ready for your interview?
1: As ready as I ever will be.
0: All right. Be ready. It's going to get personal. It's going to get deep. Got to spill just the way we all have to.
1: Okay. I'm ready.
0: Okay. So this interview is to celebrate a hundred episodes of secret to win big. I wanted to kind of hear like the origin story of the podcast. Where did it come from? What made you decide to do this?
1: I wanted to do a podcast for a long time. Every year, I want to start something new that I haven't done before. And podcast was there for nearly two to three years. I couldn't find the first step. And you know how much I like to talk. Two things changed. The moment I realized this gives me the license to talk unlimited, like the buffet of talking with anybody I want, I had to do it. And second, I want to thank a company called C Suites Network. What they helped me was take the first step because anytime in any journey, when you're lost, if somebody helps you take the first step, then the second to 99 step is very easy. But then you have to take the last step. And that's the part where I really want to thank Clint McCaskill, the head of operations at Zen Mango. And I embarrass Clint by telling him that it's true that the longest lasting relationship I have had, personal, professional, ever, has been with Clint McCaskill. So I want to thank him for the final step. And that's the way the whole podcast journey really started.
0: Um, that's great. I also wanted to know a little bit about how you select the guests and how you decide who to talk to, um, what your favorite parts are of talking to all of these people. Um, and if it has led you to learn about people that you already know in new ways?
1: Every guest has to pass three tests, but the tests are from an eight-year-old point of view. Number one, I need to like that person. Secondly, I need to respect the person, and the third part I think is very serious is if I'm having a conversation with that person. If you were in the room, you would love to pull a chair and say, can I join? Because if the conversation is only between two, it doesn't work. It has to be something to add to a third person. The second part is a wise person when she was 14 years old, that's you, had told me any big journey is all about touching one more person. And that wisdom really helped us because from day one, we didn't want to be one of the top podcasts because numbers mean nothing. Instead, the journey for Clint and myself, and I keep saying Clint McCaskill over and over again because even though I call it secrets to win big with Arjun Sen, Clint McCaskill is the Jerry McQuire. He is never on the picture, but his hands are on the shoulder. Nothing happens without. So our journey together has been to impact one person. And the fun part of the journey has been when a person reads a podcast or a one-liner and calls one of us and talks about how it opened a new direction, inspires them. That's the time we really feel that the mission that you set us on, touch one more person, we fulfilled.
0: That's great. I think that um, from my perspective, it's been really interesting to watch the way that you've been forming like deeper relationships with people through talking to them and getting to know all these different aspects of their life. Um, And I feel like this like ethos of touching one more person also happens directly with the person that you're talking to. Um, So in that vein, I wanted to know some of the moments that have met the most of you as you've done it. And I
1: think, you know, I just add this to something you asked in the previous question. And as your dad, I know, there are times I don't listen to you this was another example you know in this podcast I got to know different sides of people you know very well Blaine Hurst has been such an incredible human being in my life he's such a bizarre leader okay he hired me twice and every time he came to the airport to pick me up like How can I not work for this person? If tomorrow he calls me, I'm going to quit everything. I'm sorry, I have to go and work for this guy. But what I didn't know about Blaine was about this incredible story about his grandma. How his grandma was instrumental in motivating him and taking his life to that next level. And that is that fascinating part about every person's journey. And the second thing, what I found was the commonality of people. If you look at, on one side, Sridhar Ramaswamy, and he is a person, if you guys haven't heard about, we need to just make a note of this guy because he is going to change the world of search engine. He quit Google to form this company Niva. What Sridhar talks about is acknowledge discomfort and fear, but find a path to overcome them. And what I loved was this whole concept of fear, different leaders talked about in different ways. I met this 17-year-old Anjali, who I would have never met without this podcast. And when I asked her, because I really was dying to know, kiddo, how are you not scared? And Anjali tells me this absolute fascinating concept is face the wall of fear, Just throw yourself, and then you'll be on the other side. And I'll give you a different example from a totally different person who I think I would have never, ever got a chance to even have any conversation, Sujit Sarkar. Sujit has become an amazing human being and a friend. Sorry, Sujit is an amazing human being and became a great friend of mine. He's one of India's top movie directors. Sujit tells, tells me this fascinating concept that all our lives are filled with mundane moments. Secret is how do you make it engaging? Now Think Raka. In this world of education system, if I had to pay for two years to go to some college for an additional degree to learn all this, first of all, I wouldn't have learned all these at the same place. And it would have cost me another $100,000. So I really think this has been the best journey I could have had.
0: Um, I'm so glad to hear it. Um, so I think on that note, I, many of us are dying to know more about your journey. You always ask everyone about their journey. So I'm going to ask you many, many questions about your corporate journey and your personal journey as well. Um, So, I think as most of us who are listening know, um, but maybe new people are listening who don't know, um, you quit the corporate, your job in the corporate world in 2001 and started consulting. Um, So, are you comfortable telling us a little bit more about that journey?
1: I was really hoping this question didn't come from you to me, because this is a story of One of the biggest failures in my life. Corporate world, just to brag for a second, I was 36 years old and I'd already accomplished twice already my lifetime goals in the 36-year career. I was very proud to sleep for two to three hours a day because I had mastered the art of maximizing my day. But what I didn't understand till the day after 9-11, when you very smartly showed me that I didn't know you. And it took me a while to understand the pain a daughter feels when she has to tell her dad, I don't know you. And the dad being a goofball says, I still know you. Because the first thing you did when you were born, you peed. Like how, I'm sorry, effed up it was. But what, what I'm proud of is at that moment, I realized just like an alcoholic, there's no balance. Like I had to cross the point. Some can balance. I couldn't. So I quit. So I could be a dad first. What I also realized that each one of us have 24 hours in a day, which means just like a budget. You can create any extra time. At some point, if you have to put more time somewhere, you have to steal it from somewhere else. If you steal it from your significant other, that person leaves you. You steal it from your children, there's nothing they can do till they grow old and then you don't have a relationship. So that's the way consulting started. There was no plan. Like the first project came, there were two projects happened parallelly. One was a company called RJ Gators out of Florida, called me and said, we'll pay you $1,000 to do strategic planning. And I just said, I'm the best strategic planner you could have hired. The same time, a burrito company out of Denver called me and said, can you make sales crafts? And I said, I make the best sales craft. I even can clean bathrooms for the same price, okay? The second company was Chipotle. So the journey started where there was no vision, no plan. But one thing, Raka, I just want to share with you is in the corporate world, There was a lot of arrogance. Like, when I was in the corporate world, I had no clue how it happened, but one day I need to find out from Deborah Toxic. Somehow, people in my team felt I love a strawberry cake. Like, in my birthday, the team would get the biggest, coolest strawberry cake ever, and it was everybody would just have this big happy birthday thing, and I just played my role. But when I quit the corporate job, I realized it was very few people, Deborah Topsik was one of them, who returned my phone calls. It wasn't their fault. Initially, I was really upset with them, but then I realized I had only held a functional role in their life. I had not built a connection with them where they needed me in their life. The moment I was not the head of marketing and operations at Papa John's, average urgent. I was not a shareholder in their life anymore. So that was another big lesson is the touch more person, the touch one more time every person is something that you taught me. I really think if you ever charge me for something, you can make a lot of money just charging me for that amazing lesson.
0: Okay, but the question that people are really dying to know: do you like strawberry cake?
1: I don't, I absolutely don't like strawberry cake. <laughs> But for my birthday, if you bring it, I will just pretend I love it because if you bring something, any one of you, I appreciate that.
0: For our records, what is your favorite kind of cake?
1: You know, life has changed, you know, with all the health challenges, everything else. So coming to Houston, Chitra, my amazing wife and myself, we discovered Vita ice cream. And also it comes in a frozen ice cream cake love that.
0: Great. So for everyone, Pondicherry Cafe, Bon Vida ice cream cake. Much easier than baking a strawberry cake. Um, Okay, so veering back to your journey of leaving consulting. So now we know the impetus for you to leave. What was the hardest part of starting?
1: So when you work for a corporate job, every two weeks you get paid. You also have a very clearly defined role where you know what you're supposed to do for a month, three months, six months, 12 months, and beyond. In the corporate world, the first thing I learned was there's no certainty in when you get paid. If I got paid let's say the same $100, in the corporate world, I would get paid $10 a month, every month for 10 months. But in the corporate world, it could be first month, zero, 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 zero.
0: You mean the consulting
1: world? Sorry. Thank you. In the consulting world, it could be zero zero, 00, 00, 00, 1200, 200, zero again. So I really think having faith and trust in yourself that if you do the right thing, it will happen is very important. Second is having the mental flexibility because no two challenges are the same. Because as Clint and myself, we sit back and reflect, we have been so fortunate to have a portfolio of clients from Walgreens, Chipotle, Devita, Chili's, Alivecore, some of the top nonprofit brands, Walgreens, I think I mentioned that already, and Tiger Woods. And what is also, I'm really proud of is in this 20 year period, we, this tiny company, we have created some of the coolest brand stories and some of the most memorable taglines of all times. And reason I say memorable is I test a tagline not by how good it is. When other brands mimic the tagline, then I realize how good the tagline is so i'm just giving on behalf of our team a pat on our back by saying we have done some really cool things
0: all right so now I was good because it's the 100th episode i was going to do something really special but a bit personal are you are you geared in for this yes um so i think that as part of the zen mango family um there are two really big names who would have been the first people that you would have interviewed And I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of say what you have learned from them in the podcast format, because I think otherwise it's going to be something that you always wish that you could do. So one of them is who we've already been talking about, Trey Hall, and the other one is Sudhir Verma, the one and only. Um, These are two of my dad's very best friends um, who he unfortunately lost in the past couple years. And I think they would have been not only the first people on the podcast, but probably listening to every single one calling him up, giving him advice, telling him how to do it differently or do it in their own ways. Um, So that way you can hear a little bit about his, the lessons from them.
1: Trey was always there to guide the business. We had this incredible dinner at Buca de Beppo, where we, at Zen Mango, the group of I think eight, 10 of us that time, rented the Pope's room And Trey ahead of time reminded me that there was only one person who was authorized to sit in the pope's chair. And that is the unofficial chairman of the board that is Trey Hall. Trey Hall helped me first find Clint McCaskill. Trey Hall helped me find Cody Roper. So Cody Roper comes in with a bio where I normally would have never looked at but the cool thing for a leader like Trey Hall and I really really wish I could do a conversation with Trey Hall on my podcast missed that opportunity but I have still got a lifetime of learning Trey Hall's coolness was he saw the potential in Cody and the void that I had Sudhir I didn't want to talk about him Because Sudhir had officially joined Zenmango. And he was supposed to get X dollars a month. And then once he brought me business, he would have got commission out of it. You know, I was just going through QuickBooks one time to realize that those checks to Sudhir were not cashed. And Sudhir lived next door to me and we met every day. And I went to Sudhir and I just said, you know, I never called him Sudhir. I called him Vermaji or Malik. I said, Malik, what does that mean? Malik means boss. Perfect name for this man. So I told him, Malik, what happened? You haven't cashed those checks. He said, yeah, I know. I'm like, what do you mean you haven't cashed those checks? He said, he even opened his drawer to show me there are these three checks. I'm like, what do you mean? We are in a business. I'm giving you, we have a deal, everything. He said, I know we have a contract. So he said, look, you have fulfilled your part of the contract by giving me the check. But I don't want to deposit the checks till I bring value to you. And then this bozo tells me, if I deposit the checks, they take the checks. I would rather keep these three checks and look at them and feel proud that my Brother gives me checks because he respects me and sees value, then like he saw more utility in the uncashed checks. And these are five thousand dollar checks. That is Sudhir Bharma. For him, three checks uncashed is more valuable than the money in the bank. So Malik Sudhirji, Sudhir, Sudhir Ji, I'm so sorry, I feel bad. I could not have this podcast with you because I really think, Rafa, if Malik was alive, this hundred podcast would have been with Malik.
0: All right, so speaking of customer karma, there's a burning question that I think a lot of us, especially me as your daughter, wants to know. You have so many relationship metaphors. What's that about?
1: You know, when I grew up...
0: Don't forget, I'm your daughter. I
1: understand. I think I'm a relationship expert because I have made every possible mistake in relationships. So just like in a business world, you hired the consultant who has already made the mistakes. So hopefully that bozo won't make the same mistakes again. And that's the reason I really feel one is talking about relationships is fun. Secondly, you know, Raka, as I started writing Customer Karma book, there was a book that was written before, Clint knows about it called Marporations. It was the worst book ever written because I was not authentic. I was trying to write the book like a professor. I was talking about the three steps, the five steps. Like it took me six years to write the book. I would fall asleep writing the book myself. Like think how bad that book was. So customer karma had to be engaging from day one. Customer karma had to be a story only I can tell. And that's the reason, you know, it was all about bringing the dating metaphors, everything else. And of course, I had to fight with you to get the tagline of why stop at a one night stand when you can have. And of course, you had made this amazing statement initially that no dad of mine will talk about one night stands. I'm really glad that you let me have it. But at times I feel that you didn't allow me to do that because recently I presented the book to a group of business folks And one of the newspaper editors, a 72 year old man, looked at the book and said, there's a naughty person hidden somewhere. And he said that in front of a lot of people. I really wish that I had listened to your advice just for that one embarrassing moment. I didn't put one night stand in that book, but hey, no regrets. Okay. Um, So
0: kind of in the same vein, you ask everyone who comes on this podcast um, who their biggest inspiration is. I know we've ta- touched on many, um, but I'll generously let you have a top three or a top five. You can also do one.
1: Yeah, so if I have to do one, it has to be you know, my grandma, my Maggie, because sometimes when you're in a moment, you cannot appreciate the impact of a person, especially if that person is a family member, because most of us, not all of us, at least me, I just took her for granted. Think, over 12 years, she woke me up every morning at 4.30 in the morning. At five o'clock, she made sure I was actually studying, because when I mastered the art of keeping my head straight and dozing, she bumped my head on the table. The tiny woman, she did that to me. I never dozed after that. At six o'clock, she made amazing breakfast for me. And as I was getting into seventh grade, eighth grade, and the subjects were getting complicated, this brilliant, amazing mind, she would study physics, biology, chemistry, everything with me, master it, and tutor me. And You know, when I graduated, when I was doing my 10th board exam, like in India, 10th, there was a board exam. And in any subject, if you get 80, you get a star. Okay, I got seven, I'm sorry, I got five 79s. Like I would have been an eight star person. Instead, I was a three star person. I was somewhat okay with it. Because, you know, 79, 80, but she was heartbroken. She saw me as that eight star person. And I really love the values she put in me. One time I had asked her this very simple question is what is integrity? And she said, it is how you act when nobody else is watching. And then she also told me, it's also how you act when I'm watching you. She even reminded me that one day I would not be in in this planet, but I'll watch you. And when I meet you back in heaven or hell, wherever you are, I'll find you there. Every time you make me not proud. I'm going to smack you. And I know the snacks would be huge. So my grandma, Miji is a big one. Sudhir, I talked about, he changed my value system totally because he helped me understand that life is not transactional. Trey Hall, we talked about. And then I really have to go and talk about Blaine Hurst because Blaine Hurst taught me The leadership is all about spotting the talent and seeing where people can go and help them believe in themselves. When Blaine hired me in a goofy title called Concept Officer or Director of Concept Research or something like that and told me you are effectively going to run marketing and operations without the title. I just couldn't believe. I thought he was crazy. He saw the potential in me without which I would have never, ever got that chance. He is that person who sees in that backup quarterback the potential to win the game, packs on the quarterback by saying, kiddo, go in and win the game. And the player just goes in because the coach believes in you. And I really think that's the power. And as we do that, Raka, there's a final person. Of course, I'm not talking about you because then the whole conversation will go for 24 hours.
0: And that would be incredibly awkward.
1: For you, but not, not for me. I could go on for 24 hours talking about you. And I do that in every other podcast. There's a professor called Heikki Rene. He's from Finland at Brigham Young University. When I started my MBA with an aerospace engineering background, I was all ready to go into operations research. I don't know what operations research does, but it sounded engineering closest. When I wrote the first paper, Heki Rene, the professor, invited me to his office to tell me this is the best paper any student had ever written. Coming from India, sometimes faculty members, when you write the worst paper, are sarcastic. I thought Heki Rene was sarcastic. He even complimented me where everybody was writing 20 page papers, I used to write one page papers. Finally, I had to explain to him by saying, sir, Unlike others, I don't have money. I can only afford to print one page. And that's the reason I do one page papers. But Heikki Rene would not give up on me. This man over my first year of MBA program kept instilling in me. So it's all about the people like Heikki Rene and Blaine Hurst in your life. I really would request you to give a shout out to them because those are the people who see potential in you and push you to go beyond.
0: Great. I didn't know that last story. Um, so the next thing I kind of wanted to ask you about is I think on the podcast, you've talked a little bit about your struggles with health, but how have they shaped your decision making and restructured your priorities,
1: would you say? I think the health challenge has really, really has helped me stay calm in life, see the bigger picture, because as you said, once you go through 18 overtimes, now you know that you're destined to do something cool and big. And as Clinton and myself, we define it together. Our winning big is making the impact on that one person and then the next and then the next. And again, thank you Raka for giving us that incredible mantra. Um, Okay,
0: that was, I think that one of the things that I wanna push you for on this question is I think you tend to speak a lot about what other people do or how other people see you, but I really wanna know more about what you think
1: i th- can you just tell me a little more think about what
0: how do you like so going through these health challenges in your own body like how do you how does it make you experience the world differently so how do you live your everyday life differently um how does it make you interact with those around you differently than you did before i mean you started having health challenges when you're about 30 right so it's shaped like most of your adult life now. like, And I think that that's a longer period than we're thinking
1: about. Yeah, the reason the I'm world. smiling is Clint and myself, we found this incredible coincidence about surgeries. Anytime there's a surgery, a new project comes in. Like to the point where when business is low, we talk about maybe Arjun needs to have a surgery, okay? Like there have been times when they were starting the IV and as they were starting the IV, a call came in, okay? Like this has been bizarre, like surgeries and projects, like of course there's no association, but there is some parallel that is there. You know, I just think it is very important in a bigger picture to be vulnerable in life, to understand the seriousness of things and not live in denial and before every surgery I just go back to a moment when I was talking to you when I think you were three or four years old and when I had cancer for the first time and You got to know and you thought, I'm going to die. And your biggest worry was if I died, who would dance with you at your wedding? So, and you know how bad a dancer I am. So that's one of the things I just remind myself is, I just have to go through this so I can dance at your wedding. Okay, So that's like the simple things that is there. But the second thing also is, you just can't be another patient. Okay. If you are, because this is something I believe very strongly is all of us are unique. The world doesn't need another marketing person. The world doesn't need another kid going through sociology at Lupin. But the world needs me. The world needs you. The world needs Clint. The world needs Chitra. The world needs Cody. So for each one of us, we really have to see what makes us that one of one. Being one of many is very easy. It's a safe place in the animal kingdom. You have to outrun one other animal, but being one of one is what is important. That's what I've learned from Tiger Woods.
0: Um, I guess as you, as we transition to thinking about what comes next, um, you have countless stories from big corp- of big corporate impact. So working with people like Trey Hall, Blaine Hurst, Lane Cardwell, Tom Ryan, Jeffrey Hazlett, Tiger Woods and others and brands such as Chipotle, Papa John's, Walgreens, Aspen Academy, AliveCore, et cetera. Um, Can you tell us some of your coolest moments of corporate impact and what you learned from them?
1: Every brand has a moment to be one of one. Like stories are there everywhere. When you send me those golf balls, and the box was stuck in the mail. I took pictures because at the bottom of this, I just, I don't know why it is here, but it's so cool is inside that box was this amazing picture of a selfie that my daughter forced me to take. I just can't pout, but Rafa forced me to take this picture. So, so to me, I really feel that there are stories for every brand, every business, everywhere. All you have to do is pause and discover. When you pause, you see beyond, and that's the core of Zen Mango is three things: pause, see beyond. then make ideas bigger, but then bring it back to wowing one more. But Chipotle, it was a sales graph, but we saw how to overcome seasonality, and that became a billion dollar idea. At Papa John's, it was a phone ordering problem. And whereas Pizza Hut and Domino's were making it 10% better or just finding a better on-hold music. You know, under the leadership of Blaine Hurst, an incredible team I was part of, we created the first ever online ordering, which became, again, a billion-dollar idea. And every time I worked on these ideas, whether it is Walgreens taglines or AliveCore, as we started working with them, I really feel it's either a billion-dollar idea or puts brands on the path billion dollar ideas. So I think that as I say that each one of you must please think that anything you do can put you on the path to a billion dollar idea if you do three things. One, see what others are not seeing, think. That's very important. Steve Jobs realized that he was not in the music business. The world already have enough people producing music in their own CDs. He saw ahead of time that at one day, we would all have CD capacity problem. We cannot hold any more CDs. He saw what others were not seeing. He said, what happens if I can give people more music? And then the way he communicated was brilliant. When he talked about in gigabytes, nobody got it. But when he said enough music for you to go to the moon and back, Whoa, I get it. When he realized that the world was getting every possible laptop, he said, why can't I make it airbook, the thinnest, lightest? And then how does he bring the story to the world? He brings it delivered to him in an inter-office envelope, those recycled envelope. it goes to person to person. That's the way it was de- delivered to him. And he held it in one finger, laptop. That's what the power is. Steve Jobs taught us how to see what others. So that is the first part, then to make the idea bigger. The world doesn't need another idea. World needs bigger ideas. And that's what we saw with Walgreens, the tagline. The whole thing came from, see beyond, make ideas bigger, but connecting, as I did to every person, to connecting to how you live your life free. That's the fun about Zen Mango. I'm really appreciative of the tiny team we have and everybody together, but we are having a blast.
0: So it sounds like Zen Mango's new direction that you and Clint are really working on now is in this brand storytelling thing,
1: is it? Brand storytelling is a result. There still has to be a process because if you don't get to know the brand, if you don't discover what the brand is all about, it's not about any story because the story has to be purposeful. The story has to connect back to moving business. Like at the core of Zen Mango is this big secret and that would be my next book called Feeling Business. You trademark that, that's so cool. Me being an aerospace engineer, what I realized that just like every plane doesn't have to take off, but if it does, it must land safely. The same way, every story, once you have it, you don't have to tell it. But if you tell the story, it must land on the heart of your customers or clients. So to get to the story, you must know the brand. Then as you start going through, you'll find a lot of stories and see which one connects. Sometimes it could be a story. Sometimes it could be a tagline. Sometimes it could be a brand communication pillars. But it's the fun part of a discovery. So visualize, Raka, you're three years or four years old. I'm driving you and two other friends of yours to the zoo. You guys are on the back seat and saying, what will the monkey do today? Will he eat the banana without peeling? And you guys say, you guys start laughing. Like it's the excitement that you're pre-creating before you go to the zoo is what we feel is missing in the business world. Be unplanned, but have a process and a framework because we can't guarantee there'll be a story. We can guarantee there'll be a tagline, but we know there'll be something cool you're doing because if you are one of one, which you are, you have to believe and see it. That's the outcome. But you still have to process the process and the framework to get to that.
0: So the last question is, I mean, the podcast is called Secrets to Win Big. What are your secrets to win big?
1: Giving up is never ever an option. And that to me is the secret to win big is when I hired individuals in the corporate world when I was there or I help others. I stay away from that person who's very smart, but tells me 50 reasons why something cannot be done. I look for that person who believes in the leader. And if I say I need to go on that side, that person will start banging on the wall, making a hole to get us there. Because giving up is not an option. And to me, the biggest thing i find in leaders who are going from one of many to one of one is they never give up. And that's one of the things is, you know, we have gone through some very tough times internally at Zen Mango because, you know, we are tiny. But we never give up. And then the next big opportunity comes in and we are ready. So...
0: Well, thank you for letting me interview you today. This was awesome. Congrats. You did it a 100.
1: Awesome. So thank you, Raka. You know, these questions were unplanned, and I really wish that some of those, the questions you didn't ask, because it really took me to some very deep places, personal spaces in my life, but you have every right to ask every question. And I also want to finish with a story about Zen Mango. The consulting company that was before Zen Mango was called Restaurant Marketing Group. Everything was going great for Restaurant Marketing Group till we started having clients who were not in restaurants, but we couldn't invoice them. So we needed to find a new name. So I remember that one afternoon, we were in our basement, Cody was there, Clint was there, and we were just talking about different names and you know, he being a very creative group, we're coming up with names like strategic marketing group, like square names, triangular names, You know, maybe a pentagon or a hexagon would be a brilliant name.
0: I'm still going for flower power. I
1: know. Raka and a friend of hers based on my memory that I verified with Cody, and if you disagree, Cody and myself, we each of this, you guys came and asked, if we give you your name, will you buy your speeches? I'm like, sure. So you guys went back. And of course, at that point of time, little shout out is Raka had just got at the age of 13, at ages 40 under 40, at the age of 13, one three.
0: Dad, we made it almost to the end without you mentioning I it. know,
1: I had to talk about it. So Raka and uh, Raka and I think Joey Ha, they were together. They came back and within 10 minutes said the new name is either Flower Power or Zen Man. So Flower Power was like, okay. Zen Mango was equally bad, I thought. Then Rafa said, Dad, hold on. Zen Mango, Zen rhymes with Sen, Sen S E N, your last name, like I got it. And it also puts you in the position of you know, power, superiority, you know, wisdom. I'm like, okay, I like that. Mango allows you to keep the current colors orange of restaurant marketing groups. So that it could be a smooth transition. Not that bad idea, quite nice. And it also is the world's fastest growing fruit, then mango. And then they even drew hand-drew a logo, which of course we use about superiority, that's on the mango. Now sometimes when you are given an idea which is bigger than your mind can appreciate and acknowledge, the human mind literally says, that's a bad idea. I was in a position of authority to reject that idea. Fortunately, I think it was Cody or Clint who just said, hey, it's so good that let's just pause they bought raka a pizza so we just fulfilled our obligations and every time raka when a client asks me about zen mango i get so excited to tell me the story because it allows me to live our amazing life together now that you are in philadelphia you know as a dad of course i wish you the very best in life but i also want you to have you know have more time with you but this allows me to connect with you every time i tell the story of zen mango Thank you for the gift of Zen Mango. Thank you for taking time. Thank you, Yuki Boy. Bye and bye, thank baby. you all for listening.
0: You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.